630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Open Nugent Hopkins. Dishes off. McDavid back to him. Shot tip. Rebound. Score. Leon Dreisaitl pumps home a power play goal. That ends the streak and puts the Oilers back in front 2-1 to one with 10.48 to play. Leon Dreisaitl's first goal of the season. The Oilers' third power play goal of the season. And they snapped their two-game losing streak with a 3-1 win in Toronto. Kyler Yamamoto also scored. Josh Archibald, first of the season, into an empty net to seal it. Austin Matthews had the only goal for the Leafs. So the Oilers improve to 2-3 and three on the young season. Toronto is now 3-2. and two. 7.54, Harlan Ford, overtime open line. Thanks for tuning in tonight along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. And a... a Somewhat low event game, Rob, though I think there are a lot of things to talk about because uh, the Oilers got some breaks along the way, though they made the most of them. And I think the Oilers did some things that they they weren't able to do in previous games. But I want to start with Kyler Yamamoto, who scores tonight. Um, He was involved in a penalty call (laughs) that set up the Oilers game winning goal. But I I, look five games into the season. I would say Yamamoto has been good or very good in four of the five. and, And he just continues to find a way to be involved in the action. Well, for the longest time, we've been talking about the top three for the Oilers. We just, it's, you know, these three, Nugent Hopkins, McDavid, Drysdale, that's the stars of the team. When they're going, we have a chance. And, I think he can start, and it's. I know it's early. He's played half a season, but he's starting to have his name thrown in that. And now that there's four offensive guys that can play that you can count on consistently, and he's noticeable. And and I think that's the biggest thing. Every time he's on the ice, he makes a play that benefits the team. And some of them are just little plays. He knows how to get pucks in deep. His puck retrieval is as good, if not better, than anyone on the team. He's tenacious. He's starting to irritate the other team. And he's not irritating it like a lot of other players around the league through verbal jabs or through dirty plays. Irritating because he doesn't quit on a play. You think, okay, I pushed him away. Now I'm going to make a play up ice. And all of a sudden he's there again, stealing the puck from you. Uh, and his hockey IQ is as good as anyone on the team. He may not have the physical attributes of a McDavid or a dry settle, but he certainly thinks the game like they do. And that's why he's having success over the last while uh, with with Leon is because they both know where the play should go at all times. So, yeah, I agree. I think yeah, probably the most consistent player that the others have had thus far in through five games has been Yamamoto. He gets the first goal of the game, 10-42 into the first period. He and Cahoon battling behind the net. Yamamoto chops it out front. Dreisaitl was swooping in to shoot it, but it goes off a Maple Leafs player and slides behind Freddie Anderson. And then with the game tied 1-1 in the third, and I got to hand it to Sportsnet because I I did not see it at full speed. I thought it was an actual trip muzzin on Cahoon, but you saw the replay from close up. Yamamoto's stick was actually the one that, tied up Cahoon, Muzzin in the wrong place at the wrong time for him. He gets set to the box and the Oilers score on the power play. So they got a break there, but they were finally able to capitalize on the power play. Well, if you're going to win hockey games, you got to get breaks and take advantage of them. The Oilers got uh, two breaks on goals, two breaks on pucks that went off there, that went behind Koskinen that didn't go in, and then they get a break on a power play. And I've noticed through my playing career, and then when, I, when I've been doing this for the last number of years, whenever you get a gift of a power play 
normally those are the ones you capitalize on because you want to make sure you take advantage of, of a break. And yeah, I, again, not a, not the fault of the referee. At full speed, it looked like uh, Cahoon was pulled down by Muzzin. And not only do you get the power play, you take a big part of the penalty kill of the Leafs off the ice. Now Muzzin, who is a big, strong body that plays on the PK, now he's not out there defending. And again, the Oilers... What we've talked about a lot on their power play is getting pucks at net and not because you're going to score all the time, but what happens is it creates chaos. And that one right there, Nugent Hopkins throws the puck on net. Doesn't even get through. Hits Pugliarvi in the foot. But because there's chaos, the puck bounces and everyone's crashing the net. It's on Leon's stick. Leon doesn't make a mistake. Put it in the back of the net. That is why you put pucks on net. Nugent Hopkins could have scored, could have bounced off someone went in, could have bounced off for a rebound. And right there, a great example of uh, taking the puck to the net and the Oilers got a very important goal. And that's how we've seen the Oilers, when they have been successful in the past, keep the game close, get a power play in the third, score in the power play and win a hockey game. 3-1, the Oilers take it tonight. Miko Koskinen gets the win. Rob, man, I mean, he's he's going to be a, a much-discussed player, with especially with Mike Smith on the sidelines. And I think coming into the season, we expected Koskin would play more either. So, look, I, I got to cover it all off here. And if I were to just have, you know, got home and not been able to watch the game and, and logged on or looked at my phone to see the box score, okay, 3-1 win. What are Koskinen's stats? Okay, 25 saves on 26 shots. Nice, tidy night. Must have played better. And he did. He looked more in control. He made some pretty good saves, made the saves he needed to. But but I, I think I got to acknowledge the one that went in, and it was big at the time. I mean, it, it tied the game with still 13 minutes to go. I mean, that I mean that can't go in. I, I mean, that's – and I know there were other issues on that play perhaps, but I, I that's, that's a tough one to let in. Well, it is. But if you go around the National Hockey, every night there's bad goals going in. That's why – Four or players are always told put pucks on net because uh, there's always the possibly possibility that the puck can go in. It shouldn't go in. Uh, 99 out of 100 times it doesn't go in, but every once in a while, the Carey Prices, the Markstroms, the Flurries, any of them, they let bad goals in. It's how you respond to it. And what you the the problem is we've seen in the past when Devin Dubnik was here every once in a while he'd let a bad goal in. And everyone, Chris, oh, he mean, let another bad goal in. But the problem was he was giving up, they were giving up 20, 25 goal, grade A scoring chances a night that when he let a bad goal in, it went with three other goals. Tonight, the Oilers were a tidier team defensively. Koskinen made a couple saves, big saves that uh, he hadn't made in the past few games. So when he let in a bad one, it didn't hurt you as badly. And you're right, there was other mistakes too. Cassian got beat one-on-one with in, in the corner. Matthews took the puck off him. You can't have that. You, you just can't. And then Koskinen doesn't cover it. I'm the, I am the, the offensive player. I think that was a great shot by Matthews. He knew where to put the puck. So there was space there, and he found that space. But Koskinen needs to have that. But to me, 25 saves on 26 shots, he can let one bad goal in all year long if that's the only goal he lets in. Yeah, the Oilers get the win. 3-1 is the final. Jesse Pugliarvi with uh, an assist tonight to get on the score sheet for the first time this season. We'll talk about his game as we move along tonight. And I do think, and and Tippett had clips after the game on Monday. He said it again this afternoon, or I guess this morning after the morning skate, that you got to compete harder. You got to up the battle level. And and I did think the Oilers defended. I thought the, the forwards, the wingers were collapsing. 
and it wasn't perfect, but doing a better job collapsing into that slot area in their own end, taking away chances, and, and just being harder on pucks. And, and you know, with that, that casting play aside, you're going to lose battles, but you gotta you got to engage and tie the guy up and not uh, not lose it cleanly. I thought they did a better job of that tonight. Well, they did. Again, you know, in the, the first four games of the seasons, I, I bet they were averaging, you know, five or six at least odd man rushes against. And I'm talking major ones, like two-on-ones and breakaways. Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the best offensive team that they have played against of the three teams they've played. They've got the most star power. Uh, and the Oilers were smarter. They, they didn't give. I mean, you didn't see the, the Matthews or the Marners or the Tavares walking in with odd man rushes, with with breakaways. So the others were smarter. They are smarter at the lines, getting pucks in deep. They were smarter with the high man, making sure there was a third man back if you needed it. The Fords did a better job getting lower in their own zone so that when the defensemen were in trouble, they knew where the outlet was. It was a much smarter game play by the Edmonton Oilers. The first four games, uh, there were stretches where there was anticipating or cheating. I think today that that was taken out of their game. It was it's going to be a much more low event hockey game, but in a low event game, you still have Drysaitel and and McDavid on your team. So in a low event game, if there's not a lot of great scoring chances, if you're only going to trade four or five each, I like my chances because we do we have the two best players in the league. So smart game by the Edmonton Oilers. They got quality goaltending and players stepped up. It was I think it was an important way to start a road trip off after the way they left Edmonton after the first four games. Yeah, well, I think so too. And to win a lower scoring game and to win a game where, you know, you bounce back from a tough goal against where you had the lead in the third period and lost it and you're able to get it back and the power play scores, all things that hopefully make them feel better about themselves and can help going forward. And, and one of the breaks they got, Jason Spets a minute 42 left. The puck drops right on his stick in front of the net. And he tapped at it, and, and he rolled it wide. And Rob, we we see that a few times a year, whether it's an Oilers game, an Oiler does it, or an opponent does it. Sometimes you see a highlight around the league. I, I bet you, if you tracked plays like that, it it might be surprising how often it happens where a player has the open net, but just the angle that he's at, it, it, it's a it's a gimme that winds up going wide. Like what what is it? Just the way he's angled, or he rushes and can't put it where it's supposed to go what happens on those well I, I think on that one there the puck was coming off so when you're one timing a puck you're trying to anticipate when the puck gets there and you're going to swing your stick at the same time so it's a timing issue on that one there the puck came dry got a piece of it and just enough of it that when uh, spezza was coming in to, to one time it to hit it he had to hesitate because the puck hit dry stick it looked like and then went up in the air so now he's trying to hesitate, and then the puck kind of hits his stick at top. It wasn't flat on the ice when it got it, so it just kind of, the puck to me, hit Spezza's stick more than Spezza hit the puck. And then, I mean, if you want to talk about bad luck for, for the Leafs, the puck hits his stick and goes through the, the, the crease. You got a six foot seven goaltender in net laying and sprawled and completely misses him, completely misses the empty net, and finds that one small little area between the goalie and the net and goes out the other side. So uh, he was kicking himself for it. But, yeah, it, it happens a lot. It, the puck coming quickly, you got to make very, very tight decisions. And on that one there, he just, uh, I, I believe the puck hit him more than him pushing the puck wide. 
All right, the Oilers take it 3-1. You can reach us tonight at 780-496-0063. But before that, let's go back to Toronto. Here's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. Start with Ryan or Sean, TSN. Hey, you talked about wanting to see a little bit better battle level and one-on-one battles and such. Did you, you feel you got that from your group tonight? Yeah, we, we uh, you could tell our group had a lot more energy. I think, you know, last game against Montreal, I think there was some fatigue in our game, led to some mistakes. And, uh, you know, tonight we had we had more energy. We had, you know, there was, there was uh, I think, an excitement of playing on the road. That's our first road game since last March. So a lot of factors involved there, but uh, pretty solid, pretty solid all the way through the game. Next question, Josh Clipper, take Canadian Press. Hey, Dave, this was billed as you know, McDavid versus Matthews. We saw the high-scoring game last year. What, what was making it so difficult for both teams to generate offense tonight? I think both teams check well. Both teams playing, uh, playing real tight hockey, hard, not much space out there. So you're, uh, you're going to get a lot of games like that this year. It's uh, Every game is such a meaningful game in a short schedule. You're... Uh, you're more apt to get more games like that than uh, than high-scoring games. Just wondering your thought on your goalie. Uh, probably a goalie once back, but just his overall performance. He was solid. You know, he's really solid. When you what you want from your goaltender is give yourself, give your team a chance to win, and that's exactly what he did. He uh, he made a couple good saves late there. After I think he'd want that one uh, want that one back, but. Uh, you know, we needed some puck luck tonight. We we didn't have much puck luck against Montreal, and we uh, our first goal was uh, just some puck luck, and then we hung in there, and Koski gave us a chance to win. Next question, Rob Tchaikovsky, Post Media. Hi there, yeah, with Koskinen, I mean, is he is kind of an example of a goalie who doesn't have to be spectacular if the team in front of him is a, is a lot more committed to not giving up the five star chances. That's exactly it. You're you're asking your goalie, whoever he is, to if you're going to give up breakaways two or three a game you're uh, you're going to be in trouble so tonight i thought we played much better in that respect i thought we played better you know even against montreal other than the the shorthanded we give up but uh tonight we got the win for it and koski was like uh, koski was solid but we, he gave us a chance but we played better in front of him yeah no, i mean except for that one goal but the way your power play responded after a gut shot like that uh, was was exactly what you needed yeah, it was the timing of that. It's it's funny. We we look like we've been kind of pressing on it a little bit, but uh, you know, you get that one big goal at the right time, and it gives everybody a boost. Next question, Jason Gregor, TSN twelve sixty. Dave, a lot of times you say as a coach that uh, good defense leads to uh, offense, and we didn't see a lot of that in the first two periods. But in the third, you didn't give up much, but you started to create more. You know, Cassie and Rang went off the bar. Yeah. So yeah. did you maybe like your your overall two-way game more in the third because you're able to stay good defensively but get some offense? I think it was a tight, tight game all the way through. But you know, one thing uh, I heard the players talking about, you know, between periods after the second period was we got to stay on our toes. We got to make sure we're pushing here. We don't want to sit back at all. And uh, you know, we had a one nothing lead, but we wanted to we wanted to keep pushing the game along. So third period probably could have been our best period in that respect. And uh, can you talk about your matchup choice, uh, the the Shore line uh, up against Tavares lots, and what you thought from that line? Shore's played very well for us. So Shore and Archie played well together. We had uh, Chase on there uh, tonight. So they, they were a solid line. You know, they're a smart, smart line. They uh, they do a lot of things right out there and make it hard on the line they're playing against. And we got a solid game out of that line tonight. Next question, Jim Matheson, Post Media. 
Uh, Dave, is this one of those games where you're able to roll four lines too and six defensemen? I look, you know, the minutes for a lot of the players were pretty comparable, except on the power play where Connor and Leon and Nugent Hopkins played a little bit more because of some power plays. Yeah, I mean, I, we were comfortable with our lines tonight. You know, you're you're kind of getting a feel for how the game's going, but you know, we we talked about it. we need everybody to contribute if we're going to win, and uh, to do that, you have to give everybody the chance to contribute. So. Uh, I thought our D as a group played well tonight. Uh, our four lines, we, uh, you know, for the most part, we, we did a pretty good job. So we'll take the win. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a step in the right direction. Now we have to back it up with another big game in a couple of days. Uh, your team blocked a lot of shots tonight. Is that just Chris Russell coming back into the lineup? Larson <laughs> in particular blocked a lot of shots. Uh, we blocked a lot of shots in that Vancouver game too, so uh, Rusty wasn't in that one. But that's we've got some people to do it. Larson, Cuckoo, and Rusty is great at blocking shots, so it's uh, uh, that's paying the price to win. That's what we have to do. Next question, Ryan or Sean, TSN. It might have been understandable had you shaken things up a reasonable amount tonight. You said you wanted to give it one more game. What what instinct did you sort of feel there to, you know, that, that leaving it would get the results you were looking for tonight? Well, you just, A, you're looking at, you know, how you played last game, you know, would kind of get a feel for players, but it's uh, sometimes it's better just to just to have a, a little longer look and you know we we talked about some things doing some things better as a team and you got to give people a chance to do that but it's uh it's interesting times because you've got you know we've got two guys on ir and then we've got another uh, five guys on the taxi squads everybody wants to play it's uh you know you're you're trying to find a way to mold your team together but you've got a lot of players that uh, that aren't playing on each and every night. So you're trying to just find some consistency, and that's gonna you know that's gonna be the case all the way through the season here. But uh, the balance of consistency and making sure everybody's involved is uh, that's gonna be one of the challenges for the coaching staffs around the league. Dave Tippett, post game presented by Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Tippett speaking over Zoom from Toronto as the Oilers win it 3 1 to get their record up to 2 and 3. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown with you. You can get in touch at 780 496 0063. We have Scott standing by. Scott, you're also going to be our finish the play contestant, so don't hang up uh, after you give us your question or your thought, but go ahead. Sure, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the fact that uh, I'm in that position, but uh, what were your thoughts on Pugliarvi? I mean, obviously, you know, I noticed a difference between him this year and previous year, you know, times with the Oilers. Um, his body front presence is much more needed, and as soon as James Neal comes back, I think they could potentially have two dynamic power plays regardless. And I think in a shortened season at this point or potentially whatever the season is going to look like, I think that's what's needed. Uh, I just wanted to see, hear your thoughts on that, uh, both of your thoughts on that. Uh, well, if her, when Neil comes back, Neil's probably going to get first get go on the top power play. And, it, you know, he had a great start to the season last year. Uh, as much as you would love to have two power play units and you think it's important, the Oilers are never going to have two power play units. <laughs> They're going to have one unit that's going to play, well, the, the one power play, they were out there for over two minutes. They played the whole power play, never changed. So uh, yeah. the the loneliest part of a, an Oiler team would be your second power play unit because they don't seem to get on the ice. As for Pugliarvi, 
I, I, I love his his commit right now. I love his his work ethic. Uh, he, he's he's doing everything possible to become a regular National Hockey League player. There's still chinks in his game. There's there's uh, he still has to, to to learn to think the game a little bit quicker at this level because. Where he's coming from, the speed in the Finnish uh, league is not even close, not remotely close to to the NHL. But he's trying, and his, uh, I would think his body language is much better. I think if he would go five games in a row without a point or a goal, like he did, like he has this year, if he would have done that his first go around, you would have seen the shoulders sagging because he was expecting to be a first-line player. He's expecting to be a first power play guy. He thought he was going to star in the National Hockey League like his buddies did in Winnipeg and in Carolina. But right now, he's accepting his role, and and he's doing well. They've simplified it for him. I think he's a much better player when he plays a simple game. Awesome. All right. Scott, you're going to finish the play. Just for being the contestant, you get a Hungry Herd premium sampler box. Hungry Herd, top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. Kellen, what have you cooked up tonight? Austin Matthews on top of the bucket center ice. Gives it to Hyman in a big wow. hit. All right. That was a hit by Yessi Pugliarvi, who you called in to talk about tonight. Which leaf did Pooley hit on that play? Was it Mitch Marner or Boreas Salmink? Uh, a hit by Mitch Marner? So who, who did he hit? Which, which leaf did, did Pooley hit on that play? And it's a choice. Mitch Marner or Boreas Salmink? Rob, do you Boreas want to help? Boreas Salmink. Well, Rob, you know, you want... I, if I was going to choose, I wouldn't okay. pick Boreas Salming since okay. he retired Mar- in 1985. Oh, for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics, courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. Rob, nice assist on that one. <laughs> Boris Holming was one of my favorite players growing up, too. I loved him. And then he went Very on good to player. have... Yeah, and then I think eventually... Didn't he have the underwear commercials over in Sweden, too? I thought it was him. That's not uh, my favorite. You'll, you'll have but. that's trivia. Yeah, that's after hours trivia. I think Rob. And he's also he's also <laughs> yeah after hours. He's also the member. He took that vicious. I think it was a vicious skate to the face. Yeah, he, he got like a forty slash face or sixty injured, stitches. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, great player. Definitely a great player oh, for sure. Awesome not player. not in tonight's game. Marner's a pretty good player himself. But uh, yeah, Pulley Harvey had some good moments, got an assist tonight. So hopefully he keeps coming along. Uh, I, I mean, eventually they're going to need, well, sooner rather than later, somebody on that third line to uh, to get a goal. I suppose, well, Archibald, a fourth liner, got the empty netter tonight as the Oilers take it 3-1. Uh, a couple people texting in, Rob. 780-496-0063 is also the number to text. Just um, variations on this question, but basically when James Neal is healthy and assuming everybody else is, I suppose, who, who do you take out? Um, that, that's a tough question. Uh, I think right now the easiest one would be Nygaard. 
but before Neil gets in, there's probably going to be a few more hockey games played, possibly, so guys can go up or down the lineup. I, I really like the way that Shore's played in the games that he's played. Uh, he's he's smart. Uh, he's, he keeps it simple. You feel safe when he's out there because he makes the right play, the right decisions. Uh, I thought Chase on this was the most I noticed him thus far this season. Uh, I mean, Turris is an automatic stay in. Pugliarvi right now, automatic to stay in. So I, I would think it'd be probably Nygaard or Chase. I would be the player that would come out. Having said that, between now and when Neil comes back, so many things could happen. Yeah, uh, this texture writing in, the Oilers need the leadership of Smith and Neil real bad still. Chase on needs a couple games off. Haas's effort and speed would also be greatly a- appreciated. Yeah, Haas, I guess, you know, he and Shore playing the same position. We'll see. Ha- haven't minded Shore, you know, in, in that role. He didn't have a great night face-off-wise. Well, he didn't win one out of five, so you need more than that from a, a fourth-line center. But, but yeah, he's uh, he's doing okay. Face-off story tonight, McDavid had a tough go, four for 14. Dreisaitl was 10 out of 19, and Kyle Turris actually was 7 out of 10, 70%. So uh, he was the uh, best Oiler in the dot tonight, but as a team, just 42%. Kevin says, just curious... If it's such a compressed schedule, how is it the Flames played Monday and don't play again until Sunday? They're sitting at home, nothing but practice time. Well, Kevin, the the short answer to that is there are seven teams in the North Division. So somebody has to kind of not be playing. Now, especially if there are a lot of doubleheaders, there there might be, not everything is a doubleheader. Like we saw the Canadians play the Leafs once and then come out and play Edmonton. Uh, so they went Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, and now they're playing three in Vancouver. Later on in this season, the Oilers have a five-day break. They have a couple three, four-day breaks. Uh, I believe Montreal has a, a a week where they play Saturday and then don't play again until the following Saturday. So oddly enough, though it is a compressed schedule, there will be, uh, I guess, little mini bye weeks, Rob, for back of a better term. But I mean, think of the, this, think of the Canadian Football League. There's nine teams, so somebody always is off. That's what it's kind of like with seven teams. Somebody also, somebody's always going to be off. So you'll often play every second day, but sometimes you'll get three or four days off in between. Well, you made a good point. When you, the team that's off is not just missing that one night because you're playing two or three games. When you're off, you're missing at least two games, possibly three, which would be a difference of three or five days. And in a compressed schedule, you don't want a lot of five-day stretches without playing that means you're going to have the rest of your games compressed even tighter so uh, i guess if you it's glass half full glass half empty yes the, the flames have the advantage of more practice early in the season but as the season goes on you want to have one of those five days breaks later so that you can get some rest after you've played a number of games so that's where the advantage would come to another team later in the season uh, Mike says, would you rest Miko for the next Leafs game? Yeah, Mike, no. I don't think he's... No. And he had a good game tonight. And, I mean, quite frankly, on Monday, he had a, he had a decent game. I mean, obviously, that point shot was, was a tough one, but I don't think he was the reason they lost to the Canadians. I think Koskinen's going to play every game unless something really, really bad happens. Um, like well, Rob and I've said that- dozens of times, if, if if they thought Stuart Skinner was NHL ready, he already would have been the backup as opposed to bringing Mike Smith back. Well, Reed Skinner is the number one, number four goalie for the Oilers. He was to start the season. They had Forsberg and they had Smith. 
So he yeah. was the number four goalie. So he's he's nowhere ready to play at the National Hockey League level. And, and it's a lot of pressure putting him in with uh, the the importance of these four-point games. So, yeah, I, I honestly, unless there's an injury to Koskinen or there is an absolute meltdown by Koskinen, I don't see Skinner playing a game. I, I, and Grosnick should be activated one week from today. That's what Ken Holland told me on, on Saturday when I spoke to him. Um, so there is a back-to-back home games, Toronto and Ottawa, on the 30th and 31st. So I would say maybe Grosnick only has two NHL games, but he is 31 and a very experienced minor league goalie. So I would think if Costin's going to miss a game before Smith comes back, probably one of those two, but I, I certainly Costin is going to be in on Friday night. Somebody has texted in that uh, it was actually over 200 stitches for Boyer Salming and a very tiny oh. picture that I'm not going to enlarge the picture because I've seen it oh, before. It and I, feel, I feel like yeah, I don't need awful. to see it again. It's bad. Yeah. It's, well, thanks uh, for that. Thanks for that text for sending that in. I knew it was a lot of stitches. My 40 or 50 stitches doesn't do it justice. 200 stitches. I've had cuts on my face that I thought were big, and you get like five stitches. Couldn't imagine 200 stitches on a cut. Oh. Yeah. 3-1, the Oilers take it tonight. Whenever they score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer from Japanese Village Restaurants, now offering takeout. Please visit jvedmonton.ca for details. All right, you'll still hear from Dreisaitl and Yamamoto. The Oilers take it 3-1. Our number is 780-496-0063. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. All right, Oilers win it 3-1. Dreisaitl got a power play goal, turned out to be the winner. Yamamoto scored in the first. Josh Archibald scored into an empty net. Austin Matthews, his second of the season, the only goal for the Leafs. Robert Robert writes in, he says, I thought the team was much better overall tonight. Koskinen solid in net. I thought the team looked much better defensively, and they were a lot better in their own end. Nice to see the power play come through with a big goal in the third period. Absolutely, Robert. Thanks a lot for writing in. Back to Toronto, courtesy Mattress Superstore. Here's Yamo. First question, Rob Kitschkowski, Post Media. Uh, hi, Kyler. Um, what do you? Uh, what was the difference, do you think, between your team uh, tonight and maybe the last couple of games when things weren't going uh, your way? Uh, you know, I think we just stuck to our game plan. Um, you know, getting pucks in, getting on the four check, and, you know, kind of just wearing them down. Um, you know, I thought we played a really good game like that, a really good road game. Um, you know, it worked in our favor tonight. They, uh, they'll, they'll call your goal a lucky one, but I always say that it's not a lucky goal if you, re- if you work really hard in the moments leading up to it. Is it nice to get rewarded for, for battling and digging around the crease like that? It's always nice. Uh, I give a lot of credit to Coons, though. You know, he was first in on the forecheck, um, you know, stopped that puck and gave me a little bit of time to get in there. And, um, you know, a few lucky bounces and, you know, went in. So it was a really good feeling. <laughs> Next question, Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Kyler, this has looked, looked like one of those games where Toronto had the puck in your end, but your team blocked a lot of shots. You were, you were throwing your body in front of a lot of stuff so that didn't create a lot of chaos around your net. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah. Uh, boys were blocking shots everywhere. Um, you know, it was really good to see the defense were laying their body on the line. So, um, you know, if we can do that every night, um, you know, I think we're going to be a really good team. Thank you. Next question, Rob Kishkowski, Post Media. Hey, Kyle, I'm just wondering what a win like this does for the guys in the room. I know it was only two losses in a row, but sometimes it can feel like, you know, you can see the end of the world from here. What does it mean to kind of get one in the bank? It's a huge win, um, you know, huge confidence boost for our team. Um, you know, being able to get those two points, it's big. And, um, you know, hopefully hopefully we can keep this streak going and, um, you know, things are looking up. 
All right, that's Kyler Yamamoto's second goal of the season tonight. Centered it, goes in off a of Maple Leaf that opened the scoring in the first period. Edmonton wins at 3-1. Yeah, that blocked shot story, uh, both Tip and Yamamoto commented on it tonight. The Oilers credited with 19 blocks, the Leafs with six, four of them by Justin Hall. So only three Leafs players block shots. Kind of a weird stat. Uh, Yamamoto credited with four shots. Larson uh, with five and then a few other guys with one or two. And the uh, the fun stat of the night, Rob, Kyler mm-hmm. Yamamoto's shooting percentage would be, uh, I guess, infinity. infinity one, yeah. one goal, not credited with the shot on goal because the Leafs accidentally tapped it into their own net. <laughs> That's funny. That's good for the end of the season. Bumps up the shooting percentage. Good job. Yeah. So uh, the Oilers take it, uh, take it three, three, one. So, yeah, I mean, I thought that that we talked about Yamamoto earlier and and his contribution to the game, but I I thought that that line, and I thought Cahoon had a better game tonight. Cahoon dry settle Yamamoto. That's been the Oilers best line five on five. I I think all the way through the young season to this point. I, I don't think it's even close. Uh, in all honesty, uh, coming into tonight's game, the third and fourth lines for the Oilers were all minus, more or less minus per game. So it, like, they're four games played minus four or minus five. So they, and none of them had scored a, a point yet. So they hadn't played up to their potential. And uh, McDavid's line, Nugent Hopkins had a, a good game two, I guess it was. Uh, and, and McDavid was all world that game, but the other games very quiet. And again, tonight quiet also, I mean, Connor had an assist on the the empty net goal rate at the very end, but his line really didn't get anything, any good looks other than that one that Cassian could have put the game away where he had a wide open net and he puts it off the crossbar. Those are the the ones that can turn around uh, a season. And that's something that I think Cassian would have loved to have back. Yeah, and, and Nuge seems to be not handling the puck as cleanly, certainly, as you come to expect. So maybe a bit of a, a slump there that he'll work through. Randy writes in, he says, my observations are that when the team has a big offensive night, their defensive play the next few games is weak. Ugly wins like tonight hopefully can reinforce more consistent defensive play. That is from Randy. Yeah, fair point, Randy. Let's hope we see uh, another good defensive effort coming up on Friday. We have Tony and Brian coming up on the phone lines. You're still going to hear from Leon Dreisaitl, who scored tonight's game winner. The Oilers take down the Leafs 3-1. Heartland Ford overtime open line on 630 Chen. Rob Brown along for the ride as well, broadcasting from home whenever the Oilers are on the road. Edmonton wins 3-1 in Toronto. 780-496-0063. Tony is standing by. Tony, go ahead, sir. Hey, I just have a quick question for you guys. So Tippett said that he, you know, he gave the Lions one more chance to do well tonight. And, you know, we won, wasn't pretty, but we won. That's all that matters. Do you think that if we were to drop Cass into a line where he can get more physical and maybe put Cahoon and Ennis on his line, do you think that would wake Cassian up a little bit more? Like, yeah, tonight he almost scored a goal and he got in a good hit, but do you think it would wake him up a little bit more or no? Because he, kind of, he looks like he's kind of defeated. Rob? Sorry, I, I lost that. I didn't hear the whole thing. I okay, he, he, he was asking about if, if perhaps moving Cassian down to a different line uh, might get him, getting, get him going physically a little bit more. Um, it didn't seem to work in the Chicago series last year when they did that. That's the, 
I thought in the third period after he made the mistake where he gave up the goal to Matthews, I thought the next few shifts after that he tried to make amends and he looked better than he had. But the one problem, and this is why I, I, I always am hesitant right now to put Pugliarvi on the first line, is there's pressure on the first line. You have to score. You have to uh, you have to contribute offensively. You're playing with Connor McDavid. He's a, This is the, the offense goes through him. And if you're on that first line and you're not producing, that's a ton of pressure. And right now you're seeing that with Cassian, who's got zeros across the board. And then tonight with a great chance to put this game away, misses a wide open net. Uh, Cassian needs to find his game. Uh, the problem, this is what you and I were talking about after the game the other night, when people were talking, should they put Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins, and Drysettle back together? They've had success in the past. The problem with putting them together is who do you play with Connor McDavid? It, it, it The Oilers are still shallow on the wings for players that can play on a top line. And you take away Cassie, and now who do you put up on the top line? Do you give Pugliarvi a, a shot? Well, that's putting a lot of pressure on a young kid, a kid that's still trying to find his way. And outside of that, you don't, there's not a whole lot. I think they just need Cassian to find what made him successful, what allowed him to get the new contract, what what made him a fixture on Connor's line, because we haven't seen that Zach Cassian enough over the start of this season, through the playoffs last year against the uh, Chicago, and then even leading up to that. They need to find, and uh, for certain players, certain things get you going, and when he plays with a bit of grr in his game, a little bit of anger, a little bit of nasty, that's when he's successful. Now, he's got to stay on the right side of the line, but he's not even close to that line right now. So he has to be better. Now, I don't know what you do. I think they're going to keep the lines the same. They came off a win uh, tonight. The lines will be the same on on Friday, but Cassian needs to start producing, and so does Nugent Hopkins. They need to start producing because Connor McDavid has to be a catalyst offensively, and right now his line mates haven't been as good as they should and could be. I did notice today... When Dave Tippett did his availability this morning, he was asked about Cassian. And uh, I've been doing this long enough, and, and Rob, you've been on the media side of it and on the player being asked questions side of it or hearing your coach answer questions. And sometimes you can just tell a coach doesn't want to say too much about a player or deflects a little bit. And when he was asked about Cassian today, he said, ah, you know, Cass has been dealing with some other stuff with uh, with the birth of a child and he just kind of left it at that so I don't think he wanted to you know make it sound like he was making excuses for Cassian but I did think he wanted to, uh, to acknowledge there's been some major life changes that could distract a player a, a little bit so I, I wonder if that was him just kind of quietly just going to bat for Cassian there and saying like okay like he's he trusts him but there's some other stuff going on that's kind of what I read into that well, or he simply, he's going to handle it internally, which players ex- expect and hope and appreciate. Uh, Cassian has not uh, been the player that he's capable of being thus far this year. Um, I mean, Connor McDavid has had one good game. The other games, he's just, what's he got? In his two games with one assist. This was on an empty net goal. One was, I think, a power play. I don't know, but it, it's not... The, the stats that you see normally beside Connor McDavid's name, and a lot of it is on his line mates. New just had one good game. And the other games, they're not creating chances. You know, we, we talked about the, the dry settle line. They've been consistent because they're continuing to get chances. And Connor's line hasn't. Uh, every once in a while, there'll be an opportunity, and it's usually Connor McDavid 
taking the puck from the red line and driving and beating a guy and getting his scoring chance. When's the last time you saw uh, a play created in the offensive zone between those three forwards? It's just not happening. And that's, I mean, not saying none of it's on Connor as well, but Cassian has to become a force and you got to know what your strengths are. Like tonight, uh, Cassian tried beating a guy one-on-one as he's crossing the, the blue lining, loses the puck, and Toronto goes back with a scoring chance the other way. That's not his strength. His strength is when the puck was in his corner and he beats a guy to the puck, or they beat him and then he runs them through the boards. That's how he becomes an effective player playing with Connor McDavid. All right, the Oilers win at 3-1 as we check the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals with daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options. Head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Late in the first, Vancouver leads Montreal 1-0. Golden Knights up 2-0 on Arizona. After one, Minnesota with a 1-0 edge on the Ducks. And after two periods, it's the Sharks and the Blues tied 1-1. Raptors lose tonight 111-102 to the Miami Heat. 780-496-0063. Brian is standing by. Brian, thanks a lot for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Reed. Um, I like that shore. I forget his first name, but he's got a lot of hustle out there. Is he from the farm team or what? Sorry, which? Like the way he, that Devin Shore. shore. Devin Shore. Oh, Devin like Shore. He was, playing. Yeah. He, was, he, uh, he was signed uh, just before camp. He came to camp on a professional tryout, and the Oilers thought he did enough to, to earn a contract. So that's his story the last few weeks. Yeah, he's doing good out there. I hope they keep him up because he's he's skating pretty good out there, and he he uses his body really good. Yeah, yeah no, I think he's well. been he's... good on the fourth line. And and when he came in, that we we said, is this a guy that could push Jujar Kara down on the depth chart? And I think so far he has. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, yeah, appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Leon Dreisaitl's first goal of the season is the game winner in Toronto. Here he is. Well, Leon, it wasn't, um, you know, a lot happening in the first 40 minutes, but you guys found a way in the third to still make defense, but start to create a little bit more and, you know, obviously get a big win and then yourself and the power play get off the snide. So kind of give me your thoughts on just kind of playing a, an uneventful 40 minutes, but remaining composed. Uh, yeah, sometimes the boring games are, are the most solid. So um, I thought we were very solid, 60 minutes, all four lines. Uh, defenseman goalie was uh, obviously huge for us tonight. So um, that's that's a huge win, and that's more the way that we want to play. And the, the power play, you know, you, you get a bounce off of uh, Yessi's st- uh, skate right to you, and maybe that's just how you can get the power play going. What do you think of the PP overall? Yeah, I mean, I think we we could have scored a lot more goals in the in the uh, in the games uh, prior. Um, so maybe that's that's the bounce that we needed, and, and maybe that's the one we deserved. So um, yeah, it's it's obviously a big goal for us. Next question, Rob Pichkowski, Post Media. And, um, yeah, like, like you were saying, not maybe the 6-5 game that everybody was expecting, but you guys seem to check off a lot of the boxes today. You got the goaltending, you got the team defense, you got the, the power play goal when you need it. You had to like with the way you guys responded tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, we're, we're frustrated with the way we started the season. So, um, you know, that's a big win. It's a, it's a really good team over there, very skilled, very dangerous. So, um, you know, letting up one goal against a team like that, that's always a, a success. And um, obviously, we're looking to keep that going. And, and being able to grind out a 2-1 win when you need to is a big skill to have in this league. Uh, you know, how do you, you know, how do you get to that point? What do you guys need to work on to? Yeah, I think we just needed to, to um, you know, buckle down a little bit and, and uh, the individual and the team mistakes had to, um, 
you know get lowered lowered down uh, a little bit so um like i said i think it was very solid uh, throughout our lineup and um you know that's that's more the way that that we want to play on a daily um on a nightly basis next question jim matheson post media uh, Leon, the goal at uh, uh, Yamamoto Square from behind the net, you haven't had one of those this year. Were you about due for one of those? A lot of work behind the net, and unfortunately for you, uh, the puck ends up in the net for your first goal. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I don't want to say that um, we, we've been playing so good the first uh, three or four games that we deserve these, but, um, you know, those are bounces that, that you need in a year, and, and, and they make you... Uh, they make you dangerous and they make you win games. So, um, yeah, I think, like I said, bounces like that, every team gets them. Um, and, and I think we deserve them tonight. Thank you. Next question, Dave McCarthy, NHL.com. <laughs> Leon, this morning Connor was talking about uh, needing to have a bit of a sense of urgency to start this road trip and specifically beginning tonight against the Leafs in a game where there wasn't all that much happening. How difficult was it to make sure that you stuck to the game plan and didn't try to get out in front of yourselves forcing something that, that might not have been there? because of your sense of urgency in a game like this yeah it's it's huge especially against that team um you don't want to get into a run and gun with, with that team um you know they're too dangerous they have too much skill so um i thought we we did a really good job of, of staying tight sticking together uh throughout 60 minutes and um you know that's that's a big uh, big two points for us all right that is leon dreisaitl power play goal oilers one for three on the power play tonight they killed off both maple leaf man advantages some key stats and a 3-1 victory over toronto we got a, a text here to the show rob who says uh hey guys i thought that coaches could now ask for a video review of penalties why wouldn't the leafs challenge the penalty where it was yamamoto that tripped his teammate okay the the rule the the rule for an, a review of a penalty is actually the referees themselves can review major penalties, uh, double minors for high sticking, and I believe match penalties. So coaches can't challenge penalty calls. And if even if they could, this only applies to uh, major penalties or double minors for high sticking. So there's nothing the uh, the Leafs could have done there, which which I think is is good because I. I don't want the game slowed down with a bunch of <laughs> with a bunch of challenges and and looking at every little detail of a penalty all the time. No, I agree. Uh, and uh, sometimes when you find a lot of mistakes that refs or linesmen make, it's only when you slow down the video replay to very very slow slow so okay there now i see it at at real time it's very hard and and most refs and linesmen get the right call most of the time so anytime you start slowing it down that much that you can find okay is that right there maybe it's not to me that's just taken away from the game taken away from the fun and i agree that the only time you should do it is what we saw last year or two years ago i guess now in the playoffs where uh, a five-minute major changed an entire series and had the San Jose Sharks knock off Las Vegas because of it. So those ones I could see taking a video replay of it and reviewing, but all other penalties, no, I think that'd be silly. All right, the uh, Oilers win in Toronto, 3-1. Still some time for your calls if you want, 780-496-0063. We're back after this break. Heartland Ford, overtime open line. The final score, Edmonton Oilers, three, Toronto Maple Leafs, one. Final shots, 26-22 
in favor of Toronto. The Oilers' best period was the third. They outshot the Leafs 11-6, and that shot total is going to be our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. So uh, even though the Oilers were outshot, they gave up way fewer shots than they have on the season. I'm just checking the pregame notes uh, the Oilers had been allowing 36.3 shots per game, so just 26 against tonight, and Miko Koskinen stops 25 of them. Pretty good outing uh, for him overall, even though we were talking about the goal he allowed earlier. All right, here's a good one. Deepak from Toronto writes in. He says, uh, first of all, he says, thanks to the Oilers for saving me from falling off the bandwagon and breaking my ankles tonight. That's good. He says, I still think goaltending is an issue, whether they have Mike Smith or not. Who was the last great Oilers goalie? Ranford? Well, they, I mean, look, Rolison certainly in 06 was a, a great performance. Was he a great Oilers goalie for a long time? I would say no. Um, didn't wind up being here that long in the grand scheme of things. And I think you go back to the late 90s, early 2000s, Tommy Salo had some very good years, and Curtis Joseph not here for a long time but I think he was excellent on a team that didn't have high-end skill, had some good players, but had to dig pretty deep for a couple of upsets. And Cujo with, I would say, his, I think I would think his save, Rob, against Dallas in overtime in 97, I would put that as, a, I was going to say top 10, I think I would put that in top five in franchise history. Because not only does does he save it to keep the series going, the Oilers then win the series a, a couple of minutes later. I mean, that's that's an absolutely epic save in my mind. Oh, I agree, and one that any, everyone from my generation remembers. And they, a lot of a lot of my buddies remember where they were when they were watching it. So, no, it there were going to be question marks coming into the season. We talked about it. Uh, anyone that follows the game of hockey. When they're looking through the the different teams, especially where everyone's analyzing what's going on up north in the North Canadian division, uh, the weaknesses in each franchise and what's going to hold them back. And the one question mark that everyone talked about, are the goaltenders good enough for the Oilers? And uh, so far this year, I think Koskinen's been okay to a little above okay. But I I don't think you're going to really get a positive uh you're not going to be able to decide till you're 20 25 games into the season i think that it, it would be fairly safe to say that if you look at all the goaltenders in the north division the oilers goalies probably would be near the bottom in pedigree you've got some guys that have won vezinas you got guys that have won stanley cups all ahead of the the oilers goaltending so that was going to be a question mark and and still is Tonight was, I think, a step in the right direction for Koskinen and, and for the team playing in front of him because they kept down the scoring chances and Koskinen made uh, a couple of big saves at big moments. So that's a start, and hopefully he'll be able to back that up with another big uh, outing on Friday against Toronto Maple Leafs again. Yeah, uh, just a much better game overall for the Oilers. More committed, as we discussed, much fewer open opportunities against a little more desperation defending the, the high-scoring area. I got to say this, one player for the Leafs who continues to impress me, and he he had a couple of really good chances shorthanded tonight, that Ilya Mikheyev, number 65. And I remember talking to Joe Bowen last year, the Leafs play-by-play guy, before one of the Toronto-Edmonton games. And I said, okay, give me a player to watch besides Tavares, Marner, Matthews. And, and he said Mikheyev. And every time I watch the Leafs play, 
he can do a little bit of everything. He's got some speed. He can get to the net. Looks like he's got the ability to finish some chances. He's a good player. He is, and, and if you look at the the stars for the Leafs, and they've got a number of them. They're like the the others. They're they're top heavy. A quiet night from Marner. Quiet night from Matthews. From Tavares. And the one player to me that stood out as well was sixty five. He he created chances out of nothing, and. Uh, he on he almost well the one penalty kill he had two great scoring chances in a row so yeah I agree if you're going to be a good hockey club if you're going to be a playoff team you need depth players you need guys that uh, outside of your top two or three that can come up with big plays at big moments and I know we only have a small sample size because we haven't seen him a whole lot but the games I agree that he's played that we've watched he has been impressive and we'll get in a text here from Cowtown Bob and his traveling band of stunt cows. He says, I found tonight's game was full of errors and missed passes. Can Rob comment on the similarities of hockey to football where early in the season, especially a season with no exhibition games played, the offenses need time to gel? I think a game between the Oilers and the Leafs should have been much more of an offensive game. And Cowtown Bob adds that he is skeptical of some of the comments made by the players that they intended to play a grinding defensive game. What do you think, Rob? Um, no, I, I'm not skeptical skeptical of the players saying that because that'd be something that would have been banged into them from the coaching staff right from the end of last game. The Oilers gave up way too many good scoring chances against the last four games. They uh, haven't been good in their own zone. They've lost um, focus. They've misread plays they've turned pucks over so yeah they came out tonight and they played the way that they needed to play against a good toronto team uh as for the offense early in the year well if you look around the the league there's been a number of games with big scores in it uh i was at 5-4 the penguins and the capitals i think last night to me both teams look tired and that to me is the biggest thing that you're going to see early in the season uh, a lot of these guys I mean, they've only they had, what, eight days of training. And because of COVID protocols, a lot of guys were on their own or uh, they didn't have the normal. Normally, when you train for a season, you're skating with your buddies or, or with amongst other guys for months leading up to training camp. And then you have a few weeks of training camp. Then you have exhibition season. So fatigue is going to come into play. Five games in eight nights. I mean, players don't usually do that in a normal season, let alone one after they've sat out so long. So to me, both teams look tired. And when teams are tired, that's when it gets sloppy. And I thought offensively, it was a sloppy game. Passes were missed. Uh, pucks were turned over in the wrong spot. Guys misread where they were supposed to be. There wasn't a whole lot of great offensive chances. Now, uh, with an extra day tomorrow and then playing Friday, you might see a complete opposite game. You might see a 7-6 game because both teams are capable of doing that on Friday night. Final look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Golden Knights lead Arizona 2-0 after the first. Also after one, Vancouver with a 1-0 edge on the Canadians. Middle of the second period, Minnesota is up 2-0 on Anaheim and out shooting the Ducks 24-7. Hartman and Benino, the goal scorers early in the third. San Jose and St. Louis are tied 1-1. And of course, right here on 630 Ched, you heard the Oilers beat the Maple Leafs 3-1. Rob, always a pleasure, buddy. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Have a good one. Sounds good, Reed. Take care. That is our Inside the Game analyst, Rob Brown. You can get more on this one on 630Ched.com, globalnews.ca. Thanks to our engineers, Mike Evans and Troy Bowler. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy 
working all the bells and whistles back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Next Oilers broadcast, 3.30 in the afternoon for the face-off show on Friday. Another one against the Leafs will start at 5. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Oilers take it 3-1. Thanks for listening. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.